0: Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now here are your hosts, Ray Schillens and Brad Borsay.
1: It's the Advertising Show. Welcome back for another great weekend and another great show. We know you're going to love this one. It's Alex Ben Block, editor of Television Week magazine, uh, a trade newspaper based in Los Angeles. You've heard Alex on the show before. If you're a longtime fan, and he's got a lot to say, and we hope to get it all out of him today, at least most of it. Alex always has those good answers, Brad. So we like uh, like having him on the show. Oh yeah, he knows a little bit about everything. I wonder if he could help me with my car. <laughs> Oh, well, that's another show. Uh, advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production. And, uh, man, just a whole bunch of stuff here. Patrick Meyer here in just a few moments. Uh, Joe Jaffe, the uh, the new feature. We're going to talk about creativity this week. Jeffrey Gittimer about group speaking. How many of uh, how many of you listening out there are afraid to get up in front of a group? Uh Depending upon how many scotch and waters you've had. True. Right? No Group speaking. And uh, Andy Borowitz, uh, it'll be in hour number two, uh, talking about our president and photo opportunities. And you know what we're talking about there. Uh, we've got the wacky world of marketing talking about some type of an Indian hotel. It's not in Cleveland. And uh, we've got uh, we've bad advertising this week for you as well. That will happen a little bit later on this you
2: know, They say that uh, the one thing that uh, people are more fearful of than death is public speaking. Public speaking, really. And so if you gave a memorial service, you'd kind of cover both bases at one time.
1: <laughs> public speaking at a memorial service? <laughs> yes, right. Of yeah. course, you'd have to be alive to give the speech. Okay. All right. And I know many people who are not prepared to to do that right that's not hey here's something real quick okay uh Sirius satellite radio uh there's a senior vice president of advertising sales and his name is sam ben ruby sam ben ruby you buy a spot from sam he gives you two you know uh Sirius satellite radio says the broadcaster will be running a two and a half minute spot from a spirits manufacturer Speaking in an industry breakfast, he also stated that marketers currently advertising on Howard Stern's Infinity Broadcasting Show were planning to migrate their campaigns to Stern's upcoming Sirius broadcast. Well, he would say that,
2: sure. you know, to right. keep
1: up the morale and stuff like right. that. So.
2: so it takes two and a half minutes to, well, uh, talking about, uh, well, what's the spirit anyway, right? They don't say what the spirit is, no, no so yeah. two and a half minutes. That's weird. Yeah, interesting. While everyone else, and certainly uh, Clear Channel being the leader, moving to a uh, shorter, sure. Formats, less is more, right? They're going to the two and a half minute format. More is less. Yeah. I think that's called a radio infomercial. Just as a reminder, by the way, the advertising show is now doing podcasting and RSS feeds, which for those that aren't familiar with that, it's just simply the ability to download our programs to your, uh, and burn a CD if you like and listen to it in your car or an iPod or MP3 player and do it at the Convenience uh, of that of that uh, particular device, or we can still do it the old way, right? Old-fashioned just, way. Yeah, just we'll send
1: you a cassette.
2: No, well, no, we won't do <laughs> that. For the old, for those not familiar, of course, the old-fashioned way would be just set at your computer and click onto the archive and listen to it while you're pretending to work. Especially if you're in a glass type uh, office where you can masquerade as if you're working, but you're really oh, you can make yourself look busy. There's no
1: and for the millions who used to download illegally on Napster, you do it just the same way.
2: Right. Well, that's true, and you don't have to pay. And and by the way, we are checking the web stats. The stats are growing, uh, literally uh, tens of thousands of new listeners worldwide. Uh, In particular, Japan continues to grow, as well as throughout Europe and uh, South America. Yeah, yes, I think uh, Sapporo uh, Beer must be a sponsor here soon. Qingdao. 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 Uh, well, Qingdao. thank you very much. Qingdao. Do you want the fried dumplings with that? As a matter of fact, I would with the
1: chocolate sauce, please. <laughs> Let's check in with Patrick Meyer here on the advertising show.
3: Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer.
4: Today I'm going to share with you an example of a commercial I heard this morning That is so old model and not a reflection of where the consumer is going and where we need to go as marketers and advertisers. The commercial was for all detergent. First, it involved a countess and a butler talking about removing stains. Not a relevant setting or story, I think, for most people. Second, it didn't have an intrinsic advantage, it didn't talk about how this would remove stains better. Third, help me come into the brand, open the door, let me get involved. So there was no website, there was no 800 number, there was no call to action. Here's my takeaway on that kind of commercial. It looked like what everybody expected a commercial to be, but it wasn't connected to the consumer of today. The now consumer thinks a whole different way. They think with their head, they think with their heart. So give them both. Do you have any product advantages? Do you have any performance advantages? Do you have any innovation or news value? You need to pull them into the brand. That's the new way to go to market, a whole new model that involves the consumer, reflects the insights, and at the same time, touches in a real way. You've been listening to The
3: Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing.
4: This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of NOW, and remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net.
1: Always oh, a great feature here on the advertising show. It's Ray Shillins and uh, Brad Forsyth. On the way in uh, just a few minutes, we've got Alex Ben Block. Now, we talk about Alex as being the editor of Television Week magazine, and uh, but he is also an author as well. Out Fox, the inside story of America's fourth television network. And uh, also the global bestseller, The Legend of Bruce Lee. So a lot of reading material there. You Mm
5: -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I'll
1: in just a minute.
2: And, you know, it's, uh, I guess, he uh, Murdoch. He had the chance of writing about Murdoch, even though he didn't uh, interview him for the book, I don't believe. But, uh, yeah, he's always a great guest and always uh, imparts huge amounts of uh, volumes. He's really plugged in, so to speak. really is. And, you know, we were mentioning Japan. Uh, Out of the category of work hard and you will be rewarded, uh, Ray Andrew House, the executive who helped build PlayStation into its the biggest, baddest gaming console in the uh, in the history of uh, of the U.S., uh, has been promoted to a newly created role of CMO and Group Executive of Sony corporation overseeing global marketing for all of its divisions a sony veteran of 15 years house has illustrated his marketing acumen by building playstation into a gaming powerhouse needless to say he's also fluent in japanese our japanese listeners probably know that i don't know how uh Uh, an American sounds doing Japanese but if uh, they sound American doing Japanese. Well if they sound anything like Japanese doing English probably (laughs) hard to understand but uh, anyway certainly the Japanese language uh, command is an important attribute considering the fact that uh, uh, the uh, house gentleman who will now be cmo will regularly be coordinating his efforts with the company headquarters in japan and he specializes in a uh, skill set in areas of advertising and branding of course also give him a leg up as well so mm-hmm. work hard do a good job in one area such as with playstation and my goodness the guy's now cmo and group executive for uh, for sony incredible yeah incredible
1: is that the Peter Principle at work? I don't think so. No. No, no. I don't think so on that one. Yeah. Hey, uh, just about to take a break here uh, before we uh, p- put Alex on. Uh, talking about the uh, the Internet, three out of five Americans use broadband connections when accessing the Internet from their homes, according to an August survey. As we're now in October, slated to be released uh, by the Nielsen and Net Ratings, the figure rose to more than 61%. Uh, that's up about 10% from a year earlier and represents uh, a maturation in the industry, obviously, in through shots interesting more to come and uh, it's a whole two hours here with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe.
6: I'm Ewell Given. Many consider me an expert on natural foods like cattails. Yes, they're edible. I look for natural ingredients in my food. That's why grape nuts is part of my breakfast. This is a wholesome cereal made from wheat and barley. These natural ingredients are baked into crunchy nuggets and fortified with eight essential vitamins.
1: On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, Justice Yule Gibbons is considered the expert on wheat and grains. Uh, Alex Ben Block <laughs> we consider him to be our our expert on the television and Alex a frequent guest of the show welcome back to the advertising show nice to have you here
7: thank you so much it's always a pleasure
2: well, you know it's not often you get a chance to uh, talk to someone that's actually been at the Emmys uh, just a week or so ago uh, and we talked to uh, Alex off the air prior to today's show and uh, by the way Alex where, where were you sitting uh, you were near the, you were downstairs uh, on the ground floor right?
7: I was actually on the first balcony, which uh, is kind of better than that, because uh, as a journalist, if I was on the ground floor, they'd stick me in the back. This way, I was literally in the first balcony overlooking the stage, so I was, uh, I don't know, about uh, 10 yards away from the actual performers. Wow.
1: Yeah. They must
2: think Alex is photogenic then, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm
7: quite sure that I was uh, photographed, but uh, I got a, a very good seat to view the action.
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm with you on that. I, I, I've been to many sporting events, and, you know, you pay higher, uh, higher fees to be down on the floor, right, and sometimes right. that first-tier balcony is a great place to be. to <laughs> Alex, take the tux back, it's due. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex, let's talk uh, a little bit about the Emmys. Uh, any surprises for you as far as some of the winners this year before we jump into some more specific questions?
7: Well, I think absolutely there were some surprises this year, and uh, I think that uh, there were also some, you know, things that were right, quite predictable. Uh, but overall, I thought it was actually a very good and very entertaining show. Uh, I was a little disappointed with Ellen DeGeneres. I didn't think that she quite uh, was as everything that I hoped for uh, in mm. terms of being the host.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: But uh, in terms of the winners, uh, you know, I, I was happy to see Blythe Danner win one of the three awards she was nominated for. I thought it was great that Felicity Huffman of Desperate Housewives won. <clears throat> but of course, the surprise was. The Desperate Housewives did not win as best comedy as expected. Instead, the very final season of Everybody Loves Raymond won that award. And Doris Roberts won once again and, and the supporting actor uh, Which is and Fred Garrett won once again. Uh so, you know, I think they're all worthy, but uh, this was really a night of newcomers versus the veterans. And I think the veterans did a little better than people expected, and the newcomers uh, got a lot of exposure, but maybe not as many awards as we anticipated.
2: You know, I agree with your comment about Ellen. I I was wondering if how much of that was uh, uh, some producer or director having her wander around backstage versus and and throughout other peculiar areas of the uh, actual event as opposed to your typical uh, stand-out-front-and-be-funny routine. Did you get a sense that that was Ellen or somebody else directing her to do some of that shtick that I uh, thought really felt...
7: Really, it was the producer. They, uh, you know, they, they were The show was fast-paced, and they were trying to add elements to it of uh, interest and, uh, and make it as funny as they could. But see, what I expect from an MC in that situation is that in the second half of the show, they're going to do things observational that something funny or weird happened, or somebody said something off the wall, and that they've been listening, and that they then bring us in on the conspiracy, and we all get to talk about it together. Mm -hmm. And that's what really works. And in this case, instead, she did shtick. She Mm -hmm. did comedy bits in the bathroom, up in the seats, uh, whatever. It all could have been planned in advance and could have even been on a different show. Uh, So, you know, I didn't feel that there was enough of her. I didn't feel she was well used. And I understand that she doesn't like to wear a dress, but uh, there had to be something besides that one pants that she could have worn on. <laughs> That's
5: true.
2: That's true. I agree. And uh, and, su- and to my surprise, well, well, never mind. We'll just stay away from that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I was curious, uh, any, and I agree with you, by the way, Just usually these comedians are sharp enough and, and smart enough uh, comics to be able to take something that actually happens at the event and play off of it and milk it, and then it becomes something that gets talked about the next day or days after. And uh, she, yeah, I, I agree. It seemed a bit canned and a bit uh, overplayed as far as Ellen's uh, usual top-of-the-mind way of ad-libbing things. Ratings were up this year as far as viewership. I I thought that was a bit of a surprise. Why do you think that was?
7: Well, I thought the show was faster-paced. I think uh, that, you know, from a production point of view, it was also on CBS, which has better circulation. I think did a very good job marketing it. But I think it was the show itself that uh, last year's show was seen as kind of... uh, by the numbers, and too long, and dragged out, and this time they really were uh, keeping the speeches a little bit shorter, and the segments, and they threw in a couple of bits that uh, you could have lived with or without, for instance, the, what they call the uh, Emmy Idol, where they had uh, Donald Trump singing, and, uh, and, and actually won the award for it, and, uh, and some other people. Uh, turned out better than I expected it to be, but it added some time to the show that might have been uh, better spent on some of the awards at the end, they were clearly cutting uh, like crazy to try and fit the stuff in. So whereas they spent a lot of time showing film clips of supporting actors, by the end when they showed the lead actors, all they did was read out the names and and race to get the award given out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and give us a sense, uh, since you were there at the event, uh, Will and Grace's Megan uh, uh, Mullally also was a part of the Donald Trump uh, shtick for the Green Acres event. uh, sing along there. How did that come off there at the uh, Emmys? Was it well received? I couldn't tell, but from the TV, from the you know, from the small screen, so to speak, it seemed to get applause and reaction. But I couldn't sense the, right there at the event.
7: It was well received, and I think uh, it was more professional and more fun and uh, more entertaining than people expected. And uh, the fact that they could do it and not seem like they were a bunch of amateurs uh, really went far. And you know, they did the costumes, they did the look and the lighting. So at least in the auditorium, it was very well received.
2: Yeah. And and uh, was just a recap on uh, network versus cable. Cable, of course, you always expect HBO to do well. How, how did the networks pan out versus cable?
7: Well, HBO still uh, got the most wins, but it wasn't a great year for them. For instance, one of the big surprises was that the Peter Sellers miniseries, which won a whole bunch of awards for writing and editing and acting and stuff, when it came to the end for the big, uh, you know, the outstanding miniseries award, didn't win. Instead, that went to The Lost Prince on Masterpiece Theater, which is a PBS show. Uh, and I think, you know, this wasn't a vintage year for HBO, even though they're a terrific network and they had lots of good stuff. It was more a year, and one of the reasons I think the ratings were up, where the broadcast networks with their larger circulation did better, had more shows that were of interest, like Lost, for instance, uh, was a big winner and is a very popular show and very widely seen, and it opened the season almost explosively because uh, there's a lot of interest in it. And, uh, you know, last year with Angels in America, for instance, was a big winner for HBO, and it was a very well-done and critically acclaimed series, but because it's HBO and because of the nature of that series, I'm not sure it was as widely seen.
5: Hmm. So
7: when you're dealing with Lost, most of your viewers have seen it. When you're dealing with Angels in America, it's more limited. So it added to the excitement of the show that people had actually seen the shows that were nominated this year. Hmm.
2: Yeah, and you know, uh, shifting gears for a moment, I thought uh, Brokaw and Rathers' tribute to uh, Peter Jennings, although... You know something you would expect. Uh, I, I found it distracting the fact that in the beginning or throughout eighty percent of it, it seemed like Brokaw had all the lines first of all, and until uh, the wrap up by Rather. And I thought, isn't it interesting that Brokaw seems to be taking most of the lines? And it also seemed a bit canned. It seemed like it was a script that was not written by both Brokaw and Rather, but they were reading. I don't know how bad. it hit. Yeah, I don't. How did it hit uh, you? You
7: know, it, it played better in person. I think because uh, it seemed like a pretty nice moment to me and I don't remember I remember Brokaw going first but they did go back and forth and, and Dan Rather did have uh, his share of lines I thought
5: mm-hmm.
7: uh, and of course you know Peter Jennings' image was behind them and the idea was that the three of them were being honored but right. really the, the two of them were standing there uh, but at least in the auditorium it was very well received it was one of the more touching moments in the show and uh, uh, you know, I'm like, say, the Johnny Carson tribute, which I didn't think was quite uh, as touching. I thought it was a bit overlong. Mm-hmm. It was great to have David Letterman there to introduce it. Right. Uh, but I thought the clips itself and the package and the whole thing uh, was a little bit uh, more than it needed to be. I thought that uh, with the news thing with broke on, rather, that that actually, uh, at least it was well-received in the auditorium.
1: We've got uh, our special guest today here on the advertising show, Alex Ben Block, who is editor of Television Week magazine. We've got him for this hour and for next hour as well. I know what they did with the uh, the rather thing. What they did, Brokaw took all of the words without R's. <laughs> yeah, because I <laughs> cannot right. say the letter R. That's true. Uh, and they just divided it up that way. We've got... uh The Wacky World of Marketing on the way here in just a minute. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, remind you to go to the website. It's theadvertisingshow.com. Lots of good stuff there and lots more to come, too, if you stick around.
0: And now... It's time for the wacky world of marketing. Wacky world of marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott.
3: Our wacky update heads to India, where a five star hotel is encouraging its senior employees to sport ponytails. All senior executives of the Lemon Tree Hotel in Gurgaon wear ponytails tied with yellow ribbons. The general manager told Asian News International it's very inspirational in the company. When people say they want to get promoted, they're not saying, hey, I want the next grade. They say, hey, when can I actually keep a ponytail? and managers believe that the sight of senior staff with ponytails makes customers feel more relaxed. Here, people walk up, and the first question they ask is, what's about the ponytail? A nice icebreaker, one spokesperson says. And the hotel's grooming manual stipulates a maximum length of three inches for ponytails. And then, my friends, this is the Wacky World of Marketing.
0: This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and, unfortunately, the true Wacky World of Marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
3: to get a testimonial for Scotty's. We went right to the top.
5: Achoo. 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 That's what I like about a Scotty. It's a tree sneezer.
1: It's the advertising show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsythe. Watch that. Scotty. Watch that, Jimmy. Put that down. Mm. Throw that Kleenex away. Oh, it's a Scotty. Something. Excuse yeah. me. It's Alex Ben Block, our special guest uh, today. And uh, we've got
2: him for uh, hour one and hour number two. More with, uh, with Alex. Welcome back to the show. Thank you yeah, and just to wrap up on uh, on the Emmys here recently it's always exciting, I think when uh, somebody comes out of uh, a surprise uh, uh new program and i i'm sorry her name escapes me. I know you know it off the top, but the female lead for nBC's the medium, I'm a big fan of that show and it's a new program and uh, for i'm sorry.
7: Patricia
5: Arquette.
2: Yeah, and uh, wow, what a what a great surprise and a great uh, a great actor and uh, I think well deserved. And I can't remember the last time that somebody came out of the box so fast as far as a TV program for uh, a new. Uh, she's not so new, but a, a, a new. She's
1: not so. That's another way of saying. It.
2: <laughs> well, it's true. Is she is she a relation to uh, Cliff
1: Arquette by any chance?
7: Uh, she actually is. I believe she's the granddaughter.
5: Wow.
7: Yeah. And she's also a relation to Rosanna Arquette. Uh, who's her sister,
2: hmm.
7: and uh, and they have a brother who's an actor as well.
2: Wow. Was that a surprise for you?
7: Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, Medium is a show that, uh, like you said, is not that well established, and uh, clearly, uh, you know, because it's a psychic phenomena kind of show, people don't think of it as, you know, uh, one of your top-notch dramas. Automatically, they think of it more as sci-fi. So uh, her performance being recognized was actually terrific for the show, and and led to a great opening season numbers for the show. And Patricia Arquette has a very solid background as a motion picture actress. She's done some really good work, and now she's transferred those skills to television, and uh, clearly it's being recognized.
2: Well, what is the deal with all of uh, – and I say all – a couple of well-known uh, film actors uh, gravitating and migrating, I guess I should say, to the uh, to the small screen? I, 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 can't, I can't imagine that there was ever a time that I would have thought Dennis Hopper uh, would be uh, on NBC's E-Ring, and then we also have uh, – uh, who else do we have? We have, uh, I guess – Charlize uh, Theron, uh, also with uh, Fox's Arrested Development, and Gina Davis—I guess—is the one I was trying to think of of ABC's Commander in Chief. Why the uh, why the movie star is going to television? I don't what's what's up I don't with know, that?
7: Well, some of those are guest appearances. Some, like Gina Davis, is a lead. And by the way, Gina Davis as Commander in Chief, is the first woman president, her initial show did very very well and was the most viewed show on the night that it aired. Uh, Why is it happening? You know, years ago, and not that many years ago, there was a kind of snobbery in Hollywood that if you were a movie actor, you you didn't lower yourself to go onto the the little boob tube. Right. Uh, And those days are kind of over. Today, uh, the, the top actors often go back and forth between the two mediums, and there's an understanding that television is really a way to market yourself and build a career and to expand your profile, and then that gets people to come to your movies. And in some cases, of course, we've seen movies with uh, stars who came out of television and uh, actually doing very well. Uh, So a lot of that snobbery is gone. And these days you can make a lot of money in television, and it's very prestigious to have a big hit series. Uh, And for, say, Gina Davis, who I'm not saying her career is, is over. It certainly hasn't. But the days when she was a lead actress in one movie after another are in the past. So now she was doing more selective roles. So this was a way for her uh, to uh, have that kind of exposure. And also, as a lifestyle choice, when you make a movie, you often go on location and you're off in the boondocks somewhere for months at a time and away from your family, away from your friends. When you work in television, you're almost always based in Los Angeles or New York. You're uh, able to go home at a reasonable hour if you have children or family uh, to spend time with them. And that's very appealing to a lot of these movie stars because uh, uh, their lives are it's so difficult and the divorce rate is so high. It's so disruptive. The television is a way to have a little bit more of a predictable life yeah, mm-hmm. that right, yeah.
2: so that's the appeal, well that's interesting and yeah, I, I think that the, there was a time when uh, the big screen uh, actors and stars would never even think of uh, going to the small screen, but you, you make a very good point, just a couple minutes left here Alex, I'm, I'm curious about your take with uh, Chris Rock's new show, Everybody Hates Chris, interesting title <laughs> uh, seems to have promise, I understand is this, this is just more of a 21st century version of the Cosby show?
7: Uh, It's more like a 21st century version of uh, Wonder Years, I would say. Uh, It's got a taste of the Cosby Show, I suppose, but uh, this has got a lot more edge than the Cosby Show ever had. First, let's make clear that this is, uh, at least at this point, appears to be a very big hit. And uh, UPN, the little weblet or network that it's on, uh, this is the biggest hit in their history, certainly the biggest opening they've ever had. It's a show with the most buzz they've ever had. It's a show they've spent the most marketing and advertising dollars on ever in their entire history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point, the show appears to be the one people are... It's got the, It's the water cooler show of the season so far. People are talking about it and uh, seem to be enjoying it. Uh, ever since the upfronts back in May, which we talked about here on the advertising show... This show has had a buzz. People have been talking about it and anticipating it. And uh, this one kind of delivered, and uh, it's got a bit of edge to it. If you've watched it, it's not quite the all-out comedy you would think it is. It's got a lot of angst and uh, family relationship stuff in it, and uh, I think that actually makes it a stronger show. And Chris Rock clearly is a very hot brand right now. And his association, the fact he produces and narrates is a big plus.
2: Does he, so, does he also...
7: PN uh, was just thrilled on the night it opened for the first time in history. They were number two for the entire night because of that show. Number one was C- uh, CBS's uh, Survivor. Mm-hmm. And that meant that uh, Viacom mm-hmm. had both the number one and number two shows on Thursday night, the most lucrative night of the, uh, of the week for, uh, because advertisers want it uh, so much. So a uh, great start for Viacom's two networks.
1: We've got our special guest, Alex Ben Block, here with us uh, this hour. And next on the Advertising Show is Ray Shellen's and Brad Forsyth, and we'll be back in just a minute with a, a whole bunch more.
5: <laughs>
0: make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy this is the advertising show
4: What's up? He knows stolen the different vitamins we need to make Flintstones. Yabba-dabba-doo,
3: yabba-dabba-doo,
4: Flintstone vitamins are good to chew with vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Help your body work
5: and grow right. We put them all together to make
1: On the advertising show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth and our special guest Alex Ben Block, editor of Television Week magazine, remind you to go to tvweek.com if you'd like to find out more about uh, uh, what Alex does in addition to a great... Uh, uh, physical or a, a, a brick-and-mortar type magazine. True. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, good on the, it's good on the web, too. It's tvweek.com. A little bit later on this hour, we are, uh, we're looking at the... Uh, well, the advertising showcase, it's not good this week. No. That's all I have to
2: say. Right. Alex, thanks for being on the advertising show.
5: Always a pleasure.
2: Yeah, Alex, uh, Head Cases became the first cancellation uh, of 05-06 uh, primetime season last week when Fox canceled it after only two episodes. Uh, I remember not so long ago... Uh, gosh, uh, Seinfeld's a good example that comes to mind when networks actually would hang in uh, with a program that they believed in, regardless of early low ratings. Uh, NBC Friends uh, it took more than a year to get higher ratings. How in the world could Fox cancel a program after only two episodes? It, m- it seems like they must have not have really believed in the program to begin with.
6: I think the key
7: phrase is believed in. Yeah. And uh, although Chris O'Donnell, uh, one of the leads in the show, is a very appealing actor and I think a terrific actor this show just never caught on and I think the network clearly didn't believe in it and uh, And they're doing research all the time, remember, they're not just throwing these shows on the air, they're watching the ratings, they're watching the demos and they're doing uh, all kinds of telephone research and people were not responding to this show it started out in fourth or fifth place uh, on its first night and then it dropped from there and, uh, you know, to some extent there are some shows that you throw against the wall and you see if they stick now Seinfeld or... Uh, Certain other shows where the network just says, boy, I really believe in this, it depends on the network, uh, will get a chance. They will try it a couple of different ways. They'll bring it back a couple of times. They'll make some minor changes and stuff. Uh, But uh, some shows, it's just a matter of uh, put them on the assembly line and see if they fall off or not. Hmm. And unfortunately for head cases, it didn't make it very far down the line.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I guess a fringe benefit above and beyond uh, going to the Emmys and rubbing elbows and hobnobbing with uh, Hollywood uh, stars and starlets. Uh, is, is the opportunity to interview uh, legends such as uh, not so long ago Oprah Winfrey and more recently Saturday Night Live's Lauren Michaels. Uh, tell us about your interview. I guess that uh, appeared in the, as I recall, seven, uh, September 19th issue of uh, of uh, Television Week, and I also assume that uh, TVWeek.com can access that interview. Tell us a little bit about uh, talking to Lorne.
7: Uh, I found Lauren Michaels. First of all, I admire his accomplishments tremendously. This is the man who really... Created and founded, and for most of its life has guided Saturday Night Live. But in addition, he's got 20 uh, something movies to his credit as a producer. Uh, he has an active production company that has a couple of series. Uh, and he's done other things as well. And it's not unfair to say that he's been one of television's visionaries uh, in my lifetime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by helping create a form of comedy that then uh, spawned a whole generation of actors from uh, Chevy Chase to. Uh, To today's group, who have continued going on to make movies and uh, being influential in other areas, Uh, so I got to speak to Lorne Michaels for a while, and uh, we were celebrating him as uh, uh, one of the television's top producers, and also uh, thirty years of Saturday Night Live being on television. And uh, he, you know, I won't say he's unassuming because this is a man who has an ego, but there's sort of a blue collar ethic to him, which I found very interesting. Mm. That. You know, he sees that this is a job, and there, there is a, uh, a certain, uh, you know, work that has to be done every week to get that show out, and all the other activities he's got going on, and he's a very button-down guy, very smart, very savvy, uh, very sensitive, and, uh, you know, you can see why he's a success. And remember, Saturday Night Live creates probably three times more material each week than actually gets on the air, and right up to the last minute, they're cutting and pairing and making mm-hmm. changes, And ultimately, the buck stops at Lauren Michaels' desk, and it's his sense of humor, it's his vision that gets on the air, and I don't always agree with the choices. Some of it, I think, is adolescent or not Mm -hmm. very well done, but uh, the bulk of it is smart enough and funny enough that it keeps us uh, tuned in, and for all these years, Saturday Night Live has been a franchise, and he's been able to refresh it by picking new cast members, by... Making changes in the show by freshening up in various ways, and that is—you guys know—is not an easy thing to do. There mm-hmm. aren't too many shows that stay on the air that long uh, in any form. So I think Lauren Michaels deserves a lot of credit.
1: How can you maintain the passion for all those years too? That's that's a big thing.
7: Yeah, and he went through that. Remember, he left for five years uh, back in the uh, I think early '80s. Right. Uh, I think like '80 80 to '85, and uh, he came back again. And I think that uh, when he came back, he came back with kind of a renewed vigor about this thing and, and a little bit different attitude and, uh, I know, things I've gone through in my own life. That eventually, when you grow up, you figure out who you are, and then you're kind of happy to be able to do the stuff that makes you feel good and gives you a creative release and gives you a charge. And I think he's at that stage of his life.
1: Good thing we've got a couple of hours to spend with Alex today, huh? It's uh, the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Alex will be back with us uh, during hour number two. hope you stick around.
0: Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Good morning. Are you
5: not my daisies? Right, Mother Nature. They're Chiffon's new daisy servers. Taste. Oh, it's my sweet, creamy butter. Nope, it's new Chiffon margarine. Chiffon has the fresh churn flavor of butter. It's chiffon margarine, not butter. Oh, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. If you think it's butter,
1: but it's not. We've got Mother Nature here on the show along with Alex Ben Block, and we'll have uh, more with Alex uh, next hour. Hope you've planned to spend uh, both of the hours with us here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Um, Let's see. Well, every week we look at the good stuff and the bad stuff of advertising. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Well, according to George Lois, 5% good stuff out there, and the rest of it is not so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, This week, I guess, we hit that 95%. And now it's time for the
0: bad advertising item of the week.
1: What are we looking at though, this week, Brad? Well, you some know, print
2: stuff? yeah, uh, print out of the Wall Street Journal. I was going to talk about the, uh, you mentioned the opening, uh, during the opening of the show, Sirius and uh, XM. You mentioned X, uh, Sirius. That's it was Sirius, yeah. Yeah, and I was going to feature, uh, something by XM that I came across, and we're going to save that till next week, and, uh, because I just saw something to, just today that I just had to talk about, and it's an infinity uh, car ad in the Wall Street Journal. Boy, tell you, you can't read the Wall Street Journal without seeing uh, manufacturing uh, automotive ads from uh, all the major manufacturers, especially the more upscale. And that's a great looking watch on the page, by the way, too. Up there at the top, like that. what is that? No, oh, it's a it's a uh, Brioni. No, Tiffany. Tiffany, Tiffany and Company. Okay, I'll take one of those then. It's a great ad because see, you just see the word Tiffany and Co. in the in the watch, and other than that, there's no logo. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, but anyway, back down to this part here. We all know the uh, pictures, the the visual representations that they give uh, individuals that they uh, do illustrations of, such as the one here on the page. Where we have John McClain, the senator from uh, Arizona, here being featured in a uh, story called McCain Receives Crucial Support on Detainee Issue. And the little dot pattern that they use for the, for the uh, vision the Yeah, I there. like that. Well, we have an ad by uh, Infinity, and it's featuring the Infinity FX. And what we have here – and, you know, on the one hand, maybe hats off a little bit for ripping off the same visual idea by having (laughs) this guy here that's supposed to be Joe Sixpack uh, Consumer – as Chris Chappell, I will spell C H A P P L E, I guess it's Chappell, that's what I'm calling him anyway. Uh, call me Chris to correct it if you like. But anyway, uh, here we have an ad, and we have on the one side, side, on the right side, a nice big visual of the vehicle. And on the left, we have just his picture in that same style of uh, illustration as we talked earlier about the same dot pattern kind of thing for the uh, picture of the guy there. And then you have all this copy, right? Yeah. and then underneath the, the car over here it says Chris Chappell drives the Infinity FX with performance and utility it reserves both halves of his life visit infinity.com and learn more over here on the left you have Chris his picture yeah. and you have all this copy I don't know about you Ray, are you going to read any of this copy over here? No, not at all and no. let's say that you decide to read the first few lines, Chris Chappell leads two lives Monday through Friday, he's the leader in sales for Wild Packets, a network management company in the San Francisco Bay Area since he's been there, Chris has developed the sales approach. By now, you're going, "Why am I reading this?" Yeah. Uh. It's basically telling his story, and then eventually, towards the end, it gets down to talking about how he mountains bike, mountain bikes, and he snowboards, and he does all these other things. And uh, you're supposed to say, "Okay, so he does all. He has this lifestyle. And he does all this, and uh, I guess he owns an Infiniti FX." Well, first of all, I'm not sure whether I'm going to read read all this copy. No, right? No, they won't. especially if you're a Wall Street Journal reader, you're wanting to read editorial yeah. or, or news content, not an ad. Well,
1: until you pointed that out, I had no idea that was uh, anything more than uh, uh, commentary. There,
2: right? And I think type that, is bigger. That's about the only thing. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to fool you as if using the same picture, like McCain, up here. A little bigger picture, and they don't. And you got the name underneath, similar as they do with the with the other people they feature. Yeah. And then you got all this copy. And, and even if you were to take this approach, you would at least want some copy that kind of hooks you in the beginning. But it's yeah. written in a way that's right. just kind of silly.
1: Well, there's no headline there either, there, which is also is no odd. Headline.
2: Yeah, there, there is no headline, so it kind of makes. So I guess you know, an idea in on its own, where you might think, okay, well, here's a concept. Why don't we feature? the type of individual that would buy an infinity so that when people read or connect with this person that is a real person that owns an infinity mm-hmm. maybe it's like hey well my lifestyle's like theirs and this car must be for me but i don't think anybody's going to go through all this copy to even no. get to the point of understanding who this guy is no. to to the to make the association with the product so i guess it's uh, a little poor a little light on execution i would say it's mm-hmm. uh, the, the car is featured well it's a nice uh, representation of the in- infinity fx but i think the uh, the concept the creative concept is uh, a bit uh, fuzzy, a bit uh, poorly executed, as I said, and uh, I don't know. Uh, tra- sometimes trying to be different is a good idea. And as you point out, Ray, right. on this same page, uh, fractional ads, uh, as opposed to the half-page ad we're talking caught about, caught my attention now. more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the person, the uh, company here, pays a fraction of the cost of what Infinity has, mm-hmm. and they do a better job of execution, and yet uh, Infinity's. Uh, Got a difference here, but a difference yeah. than a different way that maybe is not as good as it could be. And traditionally,
1: Infinity does a great job with uh, with their advertising. That's true, with, uh, both through radio, television, and print. So that is true. This is a, maybe somebody else did this. Okay, that's all we so can hope. They had Bob. Bob <laughs> and Bob is your big chance. Go for it, man. Yeah. Okay, Alex Ben Block is our special guest, the editor of Television Week magazine and uh, TVWeek.com. Is that the website?
5: Yeah. Uh Yeah. TVWeek.com.
1: You can go there and find out. You want to go to our website, too, theadvertisingshow.com. Find out a whole bunch of stuff, including uh, what Brad was talking about earlier about the podcasting. That's pretty cool, too. So we've got uh, our number two coming up here in just a moment, and hope you'll stay around for that. And uh, a whole bunch more, too. Joe Jaffe and Andy Borowitz will be with us. The Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production.
0: Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe.
1: It's The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine, hour number two. Visit AdAge online at adage.com. And uh, this is a Big Radio Midgets production. We have a uh, continuation of the interview and a conversation out of L.A. with uh, Alex Ben Block this weekend. And uh, Alex, Television Week magazine, he's the editor. He seems to know everybody, too. Hmm. Uh, he, he owns a Tux. We know that. That's good. <laughs> he's been all around, too. Detroit, Miami. Uh, wrote a great book, a couple of them, called out Fox, the Inside Story of America's Fourth Television Network. And also the global bestseller, The Legend of Bruce Lee. So, we'll have Alex on. We've got uh, good stuff coming your way in just a few moments. Joe Jaffe on uh, creativity, Andy Borowitz later on this hour, and uh, all that kind of good stuff as well. Uh, did you see the um, the footage of the JetBlue airplane that had to make an emergency landing? I did see that.
2: That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, he uh, did a good job, the pilot.
1: Yeah, he did, for having the wheel twisted sideways. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, he had to land that like the space shuttle. Yeah, where he kept the nose up. You hold the nose up forever and ever mm-hmm. until the airplane's not flying anymore course, and then let it drop. With the space shuttle, the nose always is up there just automatically, isn't it? Because the way that thing lands, it takes forever that nose to come down, it seems. Yeah, it does. Well, yeah. nose
1: gear traditionally is not real stable, hmm. okay? The main gear is good. You never hmm. want to land with your nose wheel first.
2: And with this kind of conversation, why watch Discovery. Exactly. So you don't
1: have to. Yeah, Discovery Wings, we've got it here. This is Aviation Week here on the advertising show. Yeah. But anyway, it says, and somebody actually asked this question, will emergency landing tarnish JetBlue's image? Hmm. And the answer is, I don't think so. Uh, Flight 292, uh, LAX, uh, perhaps JetBlue's first experience with negative publicity. It wasn't negative. No, it so. if, if If it's negative, They did negative, a good job of it, yeah. of handling it. If anything, it's negative publicity for Boeing.
2: Mm-hmm. Who made
1: the right. airplane. Yeah. Guy did a good job.
2: Right. I yeah. mean, if I had a problem, I'm now thinking maybe I'd want to be on a JetBlue. If you jet. could land, land an airplane. And, and he had that thing right on the center line, too. Mm-hmm. That, that was incredible. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Nice flying. Yeah. Fly. yeah.
1: So they're, they're, but they're asking the question.
2: And you know what was in- interesting about that as well? Uh, JetBlue has a unique – we had someone on that did, did a book about JetBlue. And I right. can't remember her name. She's okay. a great, great author and had a lot of great things. Go to the website and check the archives and you'll see an author that wrote a book uh that has jetblue in the title anyway what was interesting about that is one of the uh one of the features of being a customer on jetblue and i've not flown jetblue have you flown no. yeah was the fact that you can actually watch television uh while you're in flight and so right. the pilot knew that they were back there watching tv and they, they had watching CNN the or they had a local or whatever, whatever channel they had on. And they had news coverage of them actually being up in the sky. And so the, the passengers were able to see the news coverage of themselves flying landing. around. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was very strange. It's like technology is uh, – is so cutting edge today you actually see yourself in On a uh, TV. in an emergency
1: well, sadly uh, years ago american airlines had a disaster in chicago remember the l-1011 mm-hmm. or the it was a dc-10 or something right. i don't know what it was but they usually televised the takeoff uh, and the people actually saw themselves take off and really?
2: come down hmm. that's not good did that's they, not good did, were there survivors no no, so you can't ask anybody what they thought of it. No, they can't. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they didn't think much of it. Uh,
1: if, uh, if it wasn't a good scene, yeah. anyway. But uh, congratulations to Jet Blue's pilot. Yeah. The captain is a hero. I thought so. Joe Jaffe is our uh, guest on the advertising show for this
3: segment. Let's listen. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective, featuring author and new marketing consultant Joseph Jaffe.
8: Creativity. It's the one aspect of the advertising world that everyone agrees with off the bat, and yet it is so poorly understood and even worse implemented. I went to the dictionary to find out more about the real deeper meaning of creativity, and I found a phrase that really blew my mind, productive originality. Productive meaning doing something to expect a result, and originality meaning doing something differently. Who was it that spoke about the definition of insanity and said it was defined as doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? It was, of course, Albert Einstein. And who would have ever thunk that he was, in fact, talking about creativity? What I love about this definition is that it really brings together the two worlds of data and return on investment of accountability on the one hand and of storytelling and messaging and creativity on the other hand. And it demonstrates that the two worlds have to exist side by side and have to work together.
3: This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe, LLC, and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. To learn more, log on to getthejuice.com.
1: I detect a little accent there, and I think I'm picking up maybe Hamptons or Hartford <laughs> or something. Connecticut. Know? Yeah, yeah. Don't you think?
2: Yeah. He's a uh, South Africaner. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, so that's a little bit south of Hartford.
2: Considerably south. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay. So thank you, Joe. Thanks, uh, thanks for being a part of the show as well. Uh, we've got uh, Alex Ben Block uh, on the way here. In uh, just
2: a few moments. Yeah. And, you know, uh, where's Richard Simmons been, and and where is he going? Well, if you've been wondering...
1: (laughs) (laughs) He went to New Orleans. We know that. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's true. He he will be hosting a weekly program on Sirius Satellite Radio. Uh, This announced just recently, the three-hour show uh, starts October 2nd here. just right around the corner here. Now, and Simmons, an author and creator of such fitness videos as Sweat Into the Oldies, will read listener letters and will give advice and something that's not mentioned here in the release, but I'm guessing... He'll probably cry a lot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Karmazan, uh, chief executive, of course, of Sirius, uh, said earlier this month the company would keep spending money to add more brand name programs. Sirius programming expenses in the quarter, uh, second quarter rose 55 percent as it's added more shows, including uh, National Football League games and BBC News, to its 120 channels, uh, including uh, – Bloomberg, so uh, this this is very interesting, and we'll uh, keep an eye out. I don't know that uh, Richard would be one of my tune-in factors, but uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I told you I did, we did a session with him one time, and he answered the phone.
0: Hello.
1: <laughs> I said hi, Richard. He goes,
0: "How'd you know it was me?"
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
2: I just know. Let's okay. just say I'm good at recognizing. What voices. do you mean?
6: What do you mean by that?
2: Did you ask him? If, did you say, "Do I smell?" Uh, Baby oil. Are your legs oil. oiled up, Richard? Yeah, Richard,
1: please get some new outfits, okay? Yeah,
2: yeah. Please. Yeah, that's and that's, th- those tops that he wears, I think yeah. they probably fit at one time.
1: You mean the wife beaters? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well,
1: Except on him, it's really not uh, appropriate.
2: Though. He's a dog lover, though. Is Have he? you ever seen a – yeah, they did a oh, little – How sweet's no, sweet. Well, don't say sweet with Richard. No, that's true. Yeah, you don't want to. What do, do you that. mean? <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so tune into uh, Sirius Radio, and I must say, you know, Carmazone's doing a great job with. Uh, and we're going to talk more about this next week, but uh, he's doing a great job with letting programming drive the interest in uh, in serious satellite radio. Hey, a got, concept. Huh? Well, he's got Martha Stewart now, in addition to uh, Love Him or Hate Him, uh, Howard Stern. And then he's, they've got many other programs doing very well, and I don't think uh, XM is uh, doing quite the job that uh, Sirius has in the, uh, in the programming area, at least uh, they're not getting publicity. Yeah.
1: It says uh, Stern is bringing in about $100 million in, in uh, advertising revenue in the year. That is less than half a percent. Half a percent of Viacom's projected $23.9 billion in sales for this year. Huh. Having a good year.
2: Bet they'll have a great Christmas party, too. Leave it to Mel to have those high projections just to make everyone nervous. And
6: we'll have Richard there, too. (laughs) He'll be be there.
2: We've got
1: Alex Ben Block, who probably knows Richard as well. How does he know me? And we'll be back in just a minute.
0: (laughs) Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
5: Cut. Reload. That's a complicated-looking machine, isn't it? Funny thing is, a lot of people still think that taking home movies is that complicated, too. If that were true, believe me, I wouldn't take them. For instance... He's reloading the film. Let me show you how easy Kodak has made it for you and me with a Kodak Instamatic. It's the advertising
1: show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe, back with uh, Alex Ben Block here in hour number two, editor of Television Week magazine. Go to uh, TVweek.com to find out more. Alex, it's great to have you on the advertising
5: show. Oh,
2: it's a pleasure. Yeah, let's uh, jump on to some technical questions here. Banking on, I guess, some 19 million HD TV sets currently in U.S. Uh, homes in G- January of this next year, MTV. Uh, plans to launch a high-def uh, channel, and I'm curious, uh, how will it be differentiated from other uh, HDTV launches? Do you know?
7: Uh, well, I'm sure that MTV, because of the cutting-edge product that it produces, uh, has an advantage in this marketplace because their audience is young and tends to be interested in new technology, and in advances. Whether they can afford them or not is a different story, mm-hmm. but they like the cutting-edge programming, they like the idea of the better delivery system, and uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion about HDTV. And first of all, let's make clear that digital television and HDTV are two different things. Digital television, and remember the entire country will convert from analog to digital sometime uh, probably around 2008 or 2009 under a government mandate, it simply means that instead of the, the over-the-air signal uh, being analog, it's going to be digital, which allows them to send more stuff through the spectrum and hopefully uh, provides better quality signals. But HDTV is a whole other step up, uh, starting with the aspect ratio. The screen is actually a different shape, uh, unlike the current TV, which is kind of a square. Uh, the shape now is more like a movie screen, a rectangle, which is actually uh, how most programming is made and it's a better way to display it. Plus the amount of pixels or the uh, quality of the, the technical quality of the picture is way, way better. And they're able to do certain things technologically, like show you multiple camera angles and do other stuff that makes you really uh, more involved in what you're watching. And so it's a great experience. It's an economic issue, though. If you can afford it, it's easy to get addicted to HDTV. Mm -hmm. If you can't afford it, you're still going to sit there watching the square box with the mono sound, uh, at least until your TV set doesn't work anymore when (laughs) there's no more analog signals. Mm Uh, But HDTV is a factor, and a company like MTV is launching multiple networks, not just a network. Uh, MTV is part of the Viacom Corporation, of course, and their sister channel, VH1, as well as some of the other uh, uh, networks on there, are all going to be doing this, uh, as are others. And uh, for the cable operators, it's great because often they're able to charge extra for the HDTV signals, and people are willing to pay it. So, uh, you know, for the audience that wants a higher quality television, it is and will continue to be more available. And MTV will uh, separate itself from the pack with the quality of its content and the fact that that younger audience is an early adapter of technology.
2: Yeah, well, I'm a digital subscriber, and I've gotten a bit addicted to the TiVo-like device that's mm-hmm. embedded in, in our digital uh, cable. Box and uh, I tell you, once you get and you know get involved in that, Ray, it's something you, you think, how did I ever uh, do you know do without it? Let's talk a little bit about digital U.S. Digital Television, a Salt Lake City-based company looking to bring cable programming to an over-the-air digital television signal. Got a big boost recently. I'm sure you know, Alex. Uh, where a group of stations, including News Fox uh, Fox Television stations, invested nearly 26 million dollars in the venture. For those not familiar with this, uh, Alex, uh, give us a little background. On this venture, and what your thoughts are on the potential.
7: Well, this is a very interesting venture in that it's a group of television station owners who've gotten together, and rather than uh, just handing their signals over to cable television for redistribution so that companies like Comcast and Time Warner make enormous profits, they decided they want to make the profits, and that as television goes digital, as I said, uh, there's more spectrum space. So where there used to be one CBS or one NBC, there may now be three, four, five, or six channels that are CBS-related. One might be a news channel. One might be a Barker channel. One might be a movie channel. NBC has a, a, an all-weather channel. ABC has an all-news channel they've already launched. Uh, and so with all these channels available, they feel that for people who don't want all the bells and whistles, who don't feel they need 500 channels, that maybe they'd rather have a lower-cost package delivered to their house Of these uh, digital channels and so this corporation has been created by these TV station groups to offer a low-cost alternative to cable that will offer less product but will have all of these digital signals and other things these networks can offer and for people who just want uh, a little better than uh, the basics but not necessarily everything uh, they think there's a big market for that and that they can sell this on a subscription basis
2: Hmm. so it's a relook at the uh, new distribution channel I suppose
7: It is, and it's going to compete with cable, with satellite... Uh, and with uh, no, now coming on the, the telephone companies, which are yeah. coming on like gangbusters.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I, you know, you, you're very familiar because you're based in Los Angeles uh, with an organization uh, called the uh, – or the uh, Forum, I should say, the F- Family Friendly Programming Forum's annual symposium, which took place recently. And they discussed creating a lot of different things, including uh, Desperate Housewives for Family uh, Friendly Programming, which uh, – thought thought was rather peculiar. I guess if they did that, they'd have to rename or retitle the program to Despondent Housewives or something (laughs) like that. But uh, what shows today, uh, Alex, even fall in the category of family-friendly anymore?
7: Well, there are some shows. I mean, one of the classics, of course, would be a show like Seventh Heaven on the WB Network, which is very much considered a family-friendly show. But the family, uh, the group you're talking about, also helps invest money in development of shows that they believe are going to be family friendly by their definition which really means shows that aren't full of sex or violence or profanity and which are something that the family can watch together you know an odd thing has happened in recent years uh, in the american home and that is when i was a kid growing up we had one tv set and if we wanted to watch mom and dad grandma grandpa my brothers sisters whoever they are would all sit in one room and we'd all watch that show and so it better be a show that appealed to everybody Mm Today, the kids have a TV in their room, and Grandpa has a TV in the den, and Dad might be watching sports in the living room, and Mom might be watching uh, Martha Stewart in the kitchen. And so, uh, for the most part, people tend to watch on different sets at different times, not necessarily as a group. What the Family Friendly Forum wants is to see more shows where everybody comes together as a family, and everybody can watch them. Whether they watch it as a group or not is not relevant. But what what is relevant is that the shows that potentially can be like that.
2: Well, it sounds like a worthy cause. Unfortunately, it goes against, as you just described, uh, viewership habits among consumers. So I don't know how you can uh, go against the grain of what uh, the way people consume media and th- just try to do it in a in a way that's more I don't know worthwhile from a. Uh, now, from, what, what word am I looking for? From an altruistic standpoint, I suppose. I mean, but not always standpoint. all
7: altruistic. Here's a bit of trivia for you. What's the number one family watch show, the one that families do come together and watch in the past year? What show do you think, by far, was the one most watched by families as a unit?
2: And you talking broadcast or cable?
7: Broadcast television.
1: Probably one of the uh, the competitor shows uh, where they have the the, the star. Uh,
7: what's yeah, it called? yeah,
2: one of the rea- reality shows. Reality American shows. Idol. Yeah, American yeah, Idol. American Idol. Yeah. By
7: far is the show that uh, mom, dad, grandpa, grandpa, the kids all watch together.
1: Hmm. Wow. Brings the family together, huh? Yeah. Just like we do here on the Advertising Show. We're <laughs> family friendly, hopefully. It's uh, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth and our special guest uh, this week. A frequent guest on the Advertising Show because he's just so doggone good to have on. You know what I mean? Nice guy. Alex Ben Block, editor of Television Week magazine. Uh, go to tvweek.com. We've got more with Alex uh, in just a couple of minutes. Check in in uh, a moment or so with uh, Jeffrey Ginnemer talking about group speaking. How are you at group speaking? you feel comfortable in front of a crowd? If not, listen to this. Back in just a minute.
3: On sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey.
6: Afraid to speak to a group? What's your point? Speaking in front of a group can be anywhere between the most terrifying and the most rewarding experience of a lifetime. I'm blessed to be able to deliver more than 100 speeches a year to some of the largest and most sophisticated audiences in the world. In my experience, I've discovered why speakers or people who have to give a speech or even salespeople who have to give a presentation, people like you, get nervous before the event. Nervous and its evil twin, afraid, are symptoms, not problems. Here are the problems one, unprepared, two, low self image, three, low self esteem, four, afraid of ridicule, and five, lack of self confidence. Here are two ideas that will get you on the fearless track. Just try this. Dwell on past victories and successes. Remind yourself of when you did it, not when you didn't. Just try this. Write down why you have the fear. Many people have a fear and are clueless as to the cause. Sometimes that simple self-discovery is enough to make it dissipate or disappear.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
5: Colgate Toothpaste, the tooth toughener. How can that be? Well, it contains advanced MFP fluoride. It's the only toothpaste that does, and it does toughen tooth enamel. With tougher enamel, the children won't have so many cavities. It's that simple.
1: It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth, an icon in the industry, both in television and in advertising, Arthur Godfrey. Along with our special guest today, Alex Ben Block, editor of Television Week magazine. Welcome back to the show.
5: Thank
2: you. Yeah, uh, talking of programming here with Alex Ben I wanted to ask you, Alex, the uh, Apprentice Trump and now the new Apprentice Martha are both getting off to a slow start. I think Apprentice uh, waned a, bit a little the last uh, season as opposed to its premiere. Uh, what, what do you think is going on? I mean, I have my thoughts. I was really, frankly, a little surprised that they would put a – a female appealing Martha in a highly dominant male appealing uh, forum, if you will, with the apprentice concept. And so when I hear apprentice Martha did not do so so well, it wasn't that big of a surprise. What are your thoughts on this?
7: Well, I think you're probably right, Uh, apprentice, uh, the Donald Trump version, this is actually the fourth cycle uh, in about three, three and a half years. And uh, last season was a bit disappointing. You know, I interviewed Donald Trump not long ago, mm-hmm. and he admitted to me that he was disappointed in the third cycle. And he said he got personally involved in choosing the cast for the new show, and he's been much more active in uh, helping shape the show this time, and he felt that it would do better. But it really hasn't. It's, uh, it's barely holding its own. And the Martha Stewart Apprentice is uh, bordering on disaster. It started way below what they hoped, and in the second week it fell below that. And so people are not uh, apparently flocking to see uh, Martha choose or or help nurture the next generation of corporate executives. Uh, And I think you might be right that uh, that she gives it too much female appeal and that uh, maybe it's turning men off. But for whatever reasons, whether and, you know, there's this whole thing hanging over Martha about coming out of jail, you know, what is her image and are people really interested in her and who's interested in her and her daytime show seems to be doing okay, not Hmm. great, But it's uh, doing well enough that it's going to sustain for a while. But that's an almost all-female audience.
1: Do you think the fact that it's on TLC makes a big difference in how well it's doing?
7: Uh, That it's repeated on TLC? I think is a good thing. Remember, the daytime show is syndicated (laughs) to broadcast stations across the country and then repeated on TLC. And I think that that kind of exposure helps it because any of these shows needs to be seen by as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, to try and build up some sort of loyalty. And so the exposure, I think, is a good thing for them.
2: Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And speaking of network-owned cable properties, Bravo scored big with their reality uh, hit being Bobby Brown, which uh, was, I think, a surprise to everyone. Will we be seeing a second season of this?
7: Well, uh, from a ratings point of view, you would think so, uh, because it certainly got a buzz. And for that network within their universe, it got very good ratings. But uh, it's way up in the air right now whether it will happen, mainly because it's not clear that Bobby Brown or his wife Whitney Houston are willing to do it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, although uh, it's adamantly denied by the folks at Bravo and by the producers, as I wrote a story about this, uh, I heard that there was a lot of uh, concern about high maintenance and how difficult these people were to work with and, and, uh, and what it would take to do the show again. And so that may be a factor as well. So... Uh, my impression is that I don't think Whitney Houston quite expected what would happen, that she would be seen uh, instead of being seen as a pop icon and a diva, a diva rather, that she would be seen more as kind of uh, you know this complaining housewife who, who uh, was annoying to her husband and her kids. <laughs> well, which is, he, I think to some extent how she comes off.
2: Yeah. Well, you know. Uh,
7: and there's also uh, some racial overtones to this that uh, uh, this show's been heavily watched by the African American audience, but. The non-African-American audience uh, sees it as a window into that world and isn't always uh, in love with what they see, and there's been some controversy about that as well. So. I don't know I, th- I think from a, you know Bravo would probably like to bring it back but I think it's uh, less than 5050 odds there will be another cycle
2: well when you say there's a lot of good buzz around Bobby uh, being Bobby Brown a lot of people go totally to a different thought there as opposed to you know positive right. well, talk
7: I mean, the guy has been arrested for his uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Everything. abuse of illegal substances so yeah. clearly uh, you know the jokes on him
2: yeah yeah and you know it seems anymore and this is not a this is a thought that uh, has crossed my mind many many times when I see this uh, kind of thing Bobby Brown and others, uh, what is it, Britney Spears with her uh, reality TV show where you see a side of these people that you didn't realize that existed. And it's almost as if, uh, in some cases, I think it may be true maybe with uh, Bobby Brown, these these celebrities, it's as if they're publicists or, or some PR person or maybe somebody that's uh, in charge of their their business career suggests some of these individuals for a reality TV show to show another side to the public and maybe improve an image or, or change an image. you think some of this thought goes into this or am I just speculating? Later.
7: Well, actually, in this particular case, you're right on the money. One of the reasons, apparently, that Bobby Brown agreed to do this, and I had discuss it with him, I talked to others and, and read about it and uh, talked to the producers, uh, was that, remember, the show starts as he's getting out of jail in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, part of the idea was to help repair his image a little bit to try and show people that he was also a dad and he was still an artist who really loved music and that he still was... Uh, viable as a public personality and performer, uh, coming off these uh, traffic and drug and family problems that he's had and jail time he's spent, and so they thought this might rehabilitate his image and, and help prop up his career, and in the show itself, he talks a lot about the new album he's working on and how this is going to relaunch it and help his career, but as far as I know, I'm still waiting for that album.
2: Yeah, well, you know, there was rumors after the uh, Jackson case that Michael Jackson was going to have a. Uh, he was supposed to.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah and a, it, you
2: know, if voice. he's looking for a title, I'm suggesting Boys Will Be Boys, something like that would be supposed good. Uh, but if maybe he's not looking for a title, and if you're wanting to sue somebody, Michael, that was uh, Ray Shillins there that just yeah, right. said that.
1: He's doing the voice impersonation <laughs> right, exactly. It's uh, it's Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth has not been talking uh, up until this particular point. <laughs> well, our special guest Alex Ben Block. We've got uh, one more segment with Alex. And we'll come back and talk with him and uh, continue on here with the advertising show. Stick around.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. What is this, a
5: sleepwalking concert?
6: your,
5: left, your come on kid wake up Thanks. i that if you need waking up slap on some skin braces
1: it's the advertising show ray shillings brad forsyth and our special guest a guy who has an answer for every one of the questions we have for him does not dodge questions no. just has an answer it's great alex Ben block editor of television week magazine here with ray shillings and brad forsyth Always a pleasure.
2: Yeah, maybe next time we have him on, we'll do true-false. Fine. Yeah. I, that's fine. And just so we can get more questions in. I guess the NHL and hockey is back in play with Comcast. Uh, it's frankly a surprise. You'd look for good things there. I, I don't know. I, I was concerned about their uh, their strike and, and the lack of interest. What do you expect for hockey's return?
7: Well, I think your concern is well-placed. After taking a year off, the National Hockey League is returning, and the uh, play has already begun in kind of the preseason stuff. Uh, but when you go away for a year and nobody seems to know the difference, yeah. uh, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm making a joke, of course, because there are many hardcore hockey sure. fans, sure dedicated there. fans to these teams, who really were very distressed last season. But you can't uh, run a television network based on hardcore hockey fans. Mm-hmm. You got to draw a larger number of viewers. You got to draw sports fans, and uh, you know all men who drink beer have to show up uh, and, and help you sell the products. Uh, normally. So, what happened was that ESPN had the contract for hockey in the past, and they allowed their option to lapse, and they allowed OLN, which is a wholly owned division of the Comcast Company of Philadelphia, the nation's largest uh, multiple system operator of cable networks or cable systems, uh, to take over instead. And this really positions uh, OLN, as it's now called, there's no more outdoor life network. Mm-hmm. It's just the OLN network now. But it positions them as a competitor to ESPN that not only has uh, now gotten a hockey deal, but may also in the future uh, be a bit bidder for baseball and football and basketball and other sports as well. But let's look at the hockey deal itself. If you do it just based on selling advertising, and even with some subscriber fees thrown in, it's a pretty iffy, maybe risky deal. Mm-hmm. But what it does for OLN is it's going to drive their distribution. They, they are uh, not in, uh, they're only in about half the American homes. They need to be in more like 90% of the American homes to be a full service network like ESPN. This hockey deal is going to help increase their distribution tremendously. And that makes the network itself much more valuable. And then also, uh, there are a number of different things you're doing, launching shows and personalities and offshoots of this, all of which will benefit the network and benefit Comcast in a number of different ways. Remember, Comcast is also the company that owns the Philadelphia Flyers. Hmm. So they even benefit that way, that now their hockey team is worth more because they're getting more revenues from the television contract. Uh, And they have a lot of interesting things they're going to try. Hockey's going to change the way you see it. They're going to try to speed up the game. They're going to put little tiny cameras on the players' helmets in some cases. They're going to have, uh, you're going to be able to listen to what's going on uh, through special hidden mics around the place.
5: That could be uh, interesting. You
7: know, they're going to try a lot of high tech gimmicks to try and get you more involved in the game. And hockey for me is a sport that when you watch it live, is actually very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. When you watch it on TV, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Yeah. So, uh, sort of like what they did with the Emmys, where they tried to gimmick it up to make it more entertaining, I think they're going to do the same thing with hockey. Although in the end, uh, it's about the fans and who wins the game. You
2: know, I agree. I, you know, if you've never been to a live uh, NHL uh, match, oh, it, it is definitely. just such a different game than watching it on TV. On TV it's like watching golf. Yeah, I think the point you make, and uh, you know, they go away for a year, nobody notices. The biggest uh, challenge, I think, is not uh, for the networks, but for the sales people trying to get sponsors interested when they see the lack of interest and in viewership over the years, or over the past year, I should say. Uh, real quickly, uh, it seems like. Uh, talk shows may be a bit of a, a dying breed. I thought we learned a lesson with the uh, Chevy Chase show, and then we have Sharon Osborne with her uh, WB program. And now, my goodness, I, I sampled Tyra Banks, and I say to myself, mm. why would a fashion model get a uh, talk show? And then I saw the talk show, and I'm still asking myself, why Alex, would <laughs> why would a fashion artist or, or a person like Tyra Banks get a uh, – get her own talk show. What's going on there?
7: Well, first of all, Tyra Banks is uh, certainly a supermodel, but she's more than that. She also, remember, was the producer and star of a show on UPN uh, uh, called America's Top Model, which actually has done very well, and she's shown her uh, chops as a producer. And so she and others came up with this idea for this talk show, and she is intelligent, and uh, she is an emotional person, and uh, she kind of wears it on her sleeve, which is a good thing. But here's the problem in terms of you're watching this show. They don't really care if you watch or not. Well, that's they don't true. even want you to watch. That's true. They're looking for young women uh, from probably, oh, 14 or 15 years old up to somewhere in their 30s. That's their target audience. And if those women watch, there's no shortage of sponsors who will be happy to spend large amounts of money reaching them. And so uh, Tyra is trying to kind of share her life and. Uh, she's brought on this group of young girls who she mentors and they're on the first show and uh, they're going to be part of the ongoing thing And almost all of the features all of the stuff in the show is really about appealing to that age group
1: unfortunately we are out of uh, time Alex but we want to say thank you so much for being a part of the advertising show this weekend
7: always a pleasure
0: make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy This is the Advertising Show.
5: Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for Ford. Standing on the corner, watching all the Fords go
6: by. Standing on the corner.
1: It's the advertising show, and it's Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. Thanks again to our uh, guest this weekend, Alex Ben Block, always great editor of Television Week magazine. TVweek.com is where you need to go to check out uh, what's going on there. It's a fine publication. Next week, we've got uh, uh, Tracy Wong, a creative director and uh, chairman of Wong Duty. Where is, did you know where, find out where
2: Tracy Hmm, was at? I'm sorry, I do not know. Okay, well,
1: not that it matters, but uh, we'll have Tracy on next week. And, um, you know, this this past week we've come off a, a hurricane. Mm-hmm. If, if you're listening globally, you really couldn't have missed it because it was everywhere. It even took over the top spot uh, with respect to the war in Iraq. Right. Uh, so uh, fortunately, everybody's okay mm-hmm. for the most part, at least associated with the advertising show. And uh it's been an interesting week, though. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't want to go through stuff like that.
2: Not a good thing. Yeah, you know, I knew some people in our home, home uh, market of Houston that were headed out of town. And I, unfortunately, I've heard that actually some people were driving into the storm, thinking they were getting out of of the storm. No, driving into the meaning going towards Beaumont and towards Baton Rouge and trying to get out of here. And they're actually going in the direction of where the storm was turning. So, yeah, I also talked to someone that was headed from uh, our home market of Houston to uh, College Station, the home of Texas A and M University. And this, I thought this was a funny story. This kid tells me. Uh, that all he did was basically let his foot off of the brake for 10 hours on his way, never pushed on the gas, just let his foot off mm-hmm. of the brake as he crawled up the road that took 10 hours to, t- to go somewhere, which would normally be, what, an hour and a half uh, away. Exactly. So it's yeah, that's
1: why we didn't leave, and that's why a lot of people didn't leave.
2: All those stories about uh, evacuation. But I think what's happened uh, best is that we've learned to, th- that the ability to evacuate a city the, la- the size of Houston, yeah. we need a plan B. Oh, you think so? Yeah, every city needs a plan B, I think, because we're under the uh, false impression that we can do this. And I think if we look at Houston now, many cities across America will rethink this and maybe come up with an alternative plan.
1: The president has a plan B with respect to the next time a hurricane hits.
3: Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. In a
1: televised speech to the nation, President George W. Bush praised the federal government for responding swiftly to Hurricane Rita with well-crafted, high-quality photo opportunities showing him looking concerned, but said that the government needs to create the impression of concern even faster in the future. Mr. Bush said that the fact that the government provided the first images of him looking grave and engaged in the crisis, even before Hurricane Rita slammed into the Texas and Louisiana coasts, showed that it had learned the lessons of Hurricane Katrina. After Katrina, it was hours before the American people saw the first photos of me furrowing my brow, looking serious, Mr. Bush said. But with Rita, we had high-quality images of me looking worried right from the get-go. While praising the swiftness of the government's photo op responses to Rita, the president said that much work still needs to be done to ensure that the government will produce high-quality post-disaster photo ops even faster in the future. To that end, he said he was creating a new government bureaucracy, the Federal Emergency Image Management Agency, which would provide the president with lighting, cameras, and dramatic backdrops within minutes of any national emergency. In times of crisis, the president needs to send the American people the following message. I look like I care. Elsewhere, Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher went in a private ceremony last weekend vowing to love, honor, and obey each other longer than Renee Zellweger and Kenny Chesney. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special
3: edition of The Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. Well, you know he's got a plan, and that's
1: good. That's true. That's good. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't see any photo ops from the president uh, uh, during the, uh, the the Rita thing. I guess I missed that.
2: Well, and you know, there was all this, now wait a minute, if I react too quickly, they'll, <laughs> they'll wonder, now wait a minute, am I showing favoritism to my home state of Texas, uh-huh. and then I maybe need to be kind of. Worried and concerned because I didn't do it quick enough with Katrina. Right. Maybe he was just stuck in traffic
1: like everybody else. All this posturing. (laughs) You've seen the uh, back-to-school ads from uh, JCPenney? Yes. Apparently, they are featuring several T-shirts with beer company logos on them. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't either. But the people are not happy about that, and I wouldn't be, too. I mean, Hmm. come on. You're going to put kids in beer shirts? Right. Uh, It says, uh, let's see, uh, Anheuser-Busch Companies and uh, Diego uh, PLC are opposed to the marketing and demanded the letters. Uh uh, that the practice be stopped, a spokesperson for J.C. Penney said the shirts will be marketed toward
2: a more mature sector. I, th- I think the quote was: uh, "Anheuser Bush said, I'm going to give you two years to stop that, <laughs> or we're going to sue." Okay, something like that. Yeah, that's that's kind of strange. I did not notice that on the J.C. Penney ad. No, I didn't. I didn't either. So, I mean, and didn't we have a marketing person from J.C. Penney? Yes, we had a, someone out of Dallas, out of the J.C. Penney World headquarters, and I never it never came up. So. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to have him back and ask about that. Can you imagine getting carded, buying a T-shirt? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you, know. you probably should. You shouldn't be wearing stuff like yeah, that.
1: I, You're underage I, anyway. I, Come I agree. On. yeah. It's like, well, let's put a pack of cigarettes into the, uh, <laughs> in, the in the sleeve, huh? Yeah, in the little box. Roll them up there. And That's there. right. Yeah. Thanks to, and again to Alex Ben Block, editor of Television Week magazine, for being with us today on The Advertising Show. And uh, look forward to uh, Tracy Wong, creative director and chairman of Wong Duty, on, on next week's show as well, The Advertising Show, brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production.